Hello ladies and gentlemen and thank you for joining us for another session of the WNS Operative Grand Rounds. I would like to take the opportunity today and discuss operative pearls for expanding the operative corridor through the supracerebellar infratentorial approach to expose lesions in the pineal region, uh, posterolateral mesencephalon as well as the posterior aspect of the third ventricle. Here is my disclosure, which does not interfere with the uh, discussion today. We're going to start with a video of the uh, third ventricular tumors and then focus our attention to pineal region masses. For a uh, suboccipital supracerebellar craniotomy, as you can see here, the OR setup is relatively simple. The patient can be in a lateral position or in a sitting position. I'm going to review the pearls for a lateral position as this has been my preferred approach. However, we're going to review some of the pearls for a sitting position uh, during one of the upcoming videos as well. So let's, as you can see, the patient is in a left lateral position and uh, the surgeon is sitting across the table from the surgical assistant and this allows a very easy transfer of the instruments between the two. The assistant may sit at the head of the table and the operative microscope comes over the assistant. The anesthesiologist may be sitting to the side or may be moved to the um, foot of the table to make it easier uh, for the surgeon to have additional space to work with. Having the patient in a lateral position avoids some of the complications re regarding air embolism. However, may not provide as much of bra uh, brain relaxation or cerebellar mobilization in inferiorly using um, gravity retraction. I'm going to review some of the pearls in order to improve the uh, working angle through the supracerebellar approach by mobilizing the uh, transfer sinus superiorly and hopefully that would make up for some of the lack of uh, gravity retraction with the patient in the latter position. The other major advantage of the latter position is that the surgeon can sit and perform microsurgical uh, techniques. Uh, and the arm of the surgeon can rest over the uh, armrest of the chair and that can be important and preferred to some of the surgeons who perform such procedures. Patient positioning for a lateral position is very well known to us. Obviously all the pressure points are well padded, the uh, axillary lower is placed, uh, and the patient's head typically is rotated about 45 degrees um, toward the floor. Uh, turning the patient more to the turning the head of the patient more toward the floor often may bring the shoulder of the patient um, into the working zone of the patient and turning the head of the patient less um, may also uh, 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 worsen the working angle of the surgeon. Importantly, the lateral position also provides so, uh, um, the gravity uh, uh, provides an opportunity for gravity retraction, uh, gravity to clear the surgical field of the blood, and the prone position does not provide the same advantage. Let's go ahead and review the first animation, who will discuss patient positioning for a uh, lateral suboccipital uh, craniotomy. So, as you can see in this uh, picture, the patient is positioned in a lateral position, and the pinions are placed on the uh, head of the patient. Often I place the two pins 
um, on the superior temporal line uh, on the dependent part of the head of the patient uh, and the single pin would be on the non-dependent side of the patient and we'll go ahead and review this um, animation to really better illustrate the positions of the pins that are relatively simple uh, in this uh, patient positioning and here's the final position of the patient as you can see here so now the patient has been positioned on the operating table uh, let's go ahead and uh, discuss the incision and the muscle dissection uh, we may use a midline incision if we're uh, planning to perform a bilateral suboccipital craniotomy obviously um, retractors are placed in the muscle and midline uh, fascial incision is also used and uh, uh, have to be careful of the vertebral artery which is over the lateral aspect lateral and superior aspect of C1 following performance of the craniotomy which we'll review more in detail during the video a curvilinear dura incision may be performed and lifted superiorly the central vein may be coagulated to allow uh, mobilization of the cerebellum inferiorly obviously deeper veins have to be protected but the most superficial midline vein can be uh, uh, sacrificed without necessarily high risk of venous infarction again this uh, these illustrations are performed with the patient in a uh, sitting position just to orient all of us a little bit better um, here you can see the exposure after two retention sutures or retraction sutures are placed over the uh, posterior aspect of the tentorium this is one of the nuances of technique for expanding the operative corridor through the supracerebellar inferior tentorial approach you can see the edges of the dura are retracted up and two sutures are placed just anterior to the transfer sinus in the tentorium in the leaves of the tentorium and these sutures mobilize and rotate the transfer sinus superiorly further uh, allowing a more uh, uh, straight um, uh, operative corridor and a view toward the structures in the uh, posterior third ventricle and pineal region um, uh, one of the other pearls here is that um, uh, as you expose this region the angle of the microscope should be later changed toward the more inferior direction to be able to expose the pineal region and here is that nuance that I just briefly discussed as you expose the supracerebellar corridor you can have a uh, straight look at the vein of Galen and uh, convoluences of the sinuses but to be able uh, to uh, look more inferiorly at the uh, mass you'll be able to have to change the angle of the uh, microscope dramatically so initially again uh, as you go over the cerebellum this is the angle of view of the surgeon and as you reach the confluences of the veins here you have to change the angle of view dramatically from superiorly to inferiorly to be able to see the region of the interest the arachnoid over the tumor may be exposed cerebellar retractors are often unnecessary with uh, maneuvers that we talked about including uh, CSF um, egress opening of the arachnoid membranes mobilization of the transfer sinuses uh, superiorly uh, the tumor is then debulked and dissected from the surrounding structures 
and the uh, tectal region is carefully protected. The posterior opening to the third ventricle is evident at the end of the resection, and the third and the fourth nerve, I'm sorry, can be also evident at the bottom of the resection cavity. So we talked about the general aspects of a pineal region tumor. Let's focus on the resection of a posterior third ventricular mass. These are tumors that could potentially be approached through a transclosal approach, but the morbidity of a transclosal approach is much higher than using a suprasarabellar approach. And in this case, a midline suprasarabellar approach is necessary. And again, this is not a pineal region mass that we're starting with. This is rather a tumor in the posterior aspect of the third ventricle that has created just even small amount of operative corridor through the posterior aspect of the uh, third ventricle for the surgeon to work through the suprasarabellar corridor and expose the tumor. Here you can see an uh, illustration exposing the tumor that could be just partly extruding through the opening of the uh, third ventricle. You can use ring curette, suction, and various um, instruments to debulk the tumor and use the small amount of working zone that you have to be able to mobilize and decompress the tumor to fall into or into your uh, into the center of the tumor. And at the end, you'll be able to appreciate the internal cerebral veins, the walls of the third ventricle that have to be carefully protected, and again, the pulvinar and the posterior thalamus is often very resilient to manipulations to make this approach possible for the surgeon to remove the tumor. I'm going to review one of my cases of a 30-year-old female who presented with progressive headaches. And as you can see in these MRIs, an axial and a sagittal MRI sequences with contrast, the tumor is filling the posterior aspect of the third ventricle. Here's in the sagittal view, the tumor is again not necessarily in the pineal region, but in the posterior aspect of the third ventricle. And although some authors have advocated removing the lesion through a transclosal, transventricular approach, I think the reach is often very far, and you have to go through a number of normal structures. I think the supracerebellar approach often provides a very narrow corridor, but uh, minimizes transgression of the brain to expose such, such structure. Of course, evaluation of the veins, which should be draped over the tumor, is important, as you do not want to be transgressing these important diencephalic veins, uh, including vein of, uh, veins of Rosenthal or uh, internal cerebral veins, as well as the transverse sinus, while approaching these uh, tumors. Here is showing that the patient also suffered a slight amount of hydrocephalus. We'll go ahead and uh, position the patient, in this case, in a, in a uh, sitting position using various um, prophylactic measures in order to uh, detect air embolism. As you can see here, a transesophageal echo uh, that is present. Um, I briefly mentioned at the initial um, stages of this discussion that I prefer the patient to be in a ladder position. And uh, for patients who may undergo resection of their posterior third ventricular tumors, where, th where the reach is often very far, a sitting position may be, however, more advantageous.
we'll go ahead and um, see the incision here is the point where Indian has been marked with a uh, horizontal line obviously we mark a uh, point where we can tap the ventricle especially in a patient who's suffering from a hydrocephalus if such a maneuver is necessary to decompress the posterior fossa while dual opening is being performed here is again another view of uh, a central line uh, to uh, deal with uh, air embolism if it occurs. Um, here is also some flexion of the neck to be able to have a more horizontal uh, surface along the cerebellum uh, to reach the uh, pioneer region. So now the first video here we'll review the midline supracerebral approach for post third ventricular tumors in the patient that we just briefly discussed. So this patient again the images were momentarily reviewed a post third ventricular tumor that is causing hydrocephalus here is again the positioning of the patient. A midline incision was completed. You can see the Indian in this location. We'll go ahead and place two burr holes over the transfer sinus. The burr holes may be placed just right on the sinus. Um, the transfer sinus is often uh, covered by a much more durable wall as compared to a sigmoid sinus and placing the hole right over the sinus um, has in my opinion relatively small risk. Also exposing the sinus early on um, makes the procedure very efficient in terms of completing the craniotomy as you would want to have your uh, border of bony removal uh, go as far as just the superior aspect of the transfer sinus in this situation. This is important for us to be able to mobilize the transfer sinus and expand the operative corridor through those retraction sutures that we're going to review momentarily. Obviously a number th three pen field may be used to dissect the um, dura over the sinus and the torcula very generously away from the inner aspect of the skull bone. This is a critical part of the operation. Small amount of bleeding often is related to the interdeployic veins that connect to the uh, dural sinuses in this region. And we perform first the uh, uh, bony cut or osteotomy along the suboccipital bone. The cut over the dural sinuses has to be performed last, since if there is evidence of bleeding during um, bony cut over the sinuses, we can remove the bone efficiently to deal with the bleeding. A keel of bone at the midline requires a B1 without a foot plate to thin the bone to allow mobilization of the craniotomy bone flap. Here is um, a bone cut over the uh, torcula. If there is evidence of resistance, as in this situation I faced, forcing the drill foot plate should be avoided and a um, straight uh, bit can be used to thin the bone over the torcula. And these are again all the measures necessary to prevent any injury to these important dural sinuses. The bone flap is now being mobilized. We'll continue to remove bone over the torcula 
as a second stage just again to protect these dural uh, venous structures exposing the entire transverse sinuses on both sides as well as torcula is important to be able to mobilize them superiorly kerosene rondures may be used again to expose these sinuses more generously The foramen magnum may not be open inferiorly, as it is not necessary. In the sitting position, often you reach significant amount of relaxation, especially if you're using ventriclostomy catheter uh, uh, by tapping the ventricle supratentoriorly. And in the latter position, I do use the uh, lumbar drain generously to be able to uh, achieve maximum amount of posterior fossa decreasing tension. Uh, the um, Occipital sinus can be coagulated, tied off, and then cut. Here is those sutures that we discussed, the retraction sutures over the posterior aspect of tentorium, just anterior to the um, transfer sinus that would allow mobilization of the sinuses more superiorly. can see as the suture is being tacked up that the sinus is mobilized superiorly. We'll proceed and perform exactly the same maneuver on the right side. Um, an ultrasound microdoppler probe may be used to assure good flow within the sinuses after the sutures have been completely placed and retracted. We talked about the central vein and most, post most posterior bridging veins can be coagulated. Again, this approach is designed for reaching posterior third ventricular tumors. And I approached the large pioneer region masses through a unilateral supracerebellar craniotomy that uh, I'm going to review momentarily through our next video. I do not believe you have to use a bilateral suboccipital craniotomy to reach uh, pioneer region masses, no matter how large, since, as you can see here, you have to sacrifice some of the veins through a bilateral approach. And also, you place both transfer sinuses at risk during your exposure. So, in this case, we went ahead, and as you can see, if you don't change the angle of your view, you're going to end up on the posterior aspect of corpus callosum and the large uh, veins in this region, the confluences of the veins. And again, I have intentionally included this part of the video to emphasize the importance of changing the angle of view of the surgeon, not to be lost and expose the corpus callosum and uh, be disoriented uh, in terms of where the lesion is. Here is after the angle of view has been changed from the superior to inferior um, direction. You can expose the tumor, which is relatively grayish in this area, and extruding through the um, orifice of the uh, posterior third ventricle. The tumor can be debulked and uh, microsurgically micro mobilized from the surrounding structures and ultimately 
uh, dissected away from the surrounding um, um, structures. Obviously, a biopsy of the tumor is first performed. In this case, the tumor was an intermediate-grade pioneer region mass. Uh, the tumor is further uh, dissected. A ring curette may be used to uh, remove portion of the uh, tumor that may not be easily reachable through our opening. And at the end of the resection, you can appreciate the internal cerebral veins. And here is the view after the resection has been completed. And as you can see, um, this procedure allowed a complete resection of the tumor without much transgression of the normal brain structures. Again, another view of the MRI with extent of resection. So now we talked about the uh, removal of posterior third ventricular tumors. Let's talk about a more common um, approach that we would like to use, uh, a more common use of the supracerebellar infrastructure approach, and that's for reaching pioneer region uh, masses and how we can expand the operative corridor while minimizing the cerebral retractions and protecting normal structures. For pioneer region tumors, I like using the unilateral approach. I know most of us, and uh, during my training, a pioneer region tumor was approached through a supracerebellar midline approach. As you can see in this photograph, the unilateral suboccipital approach the supracerebellar route provides an exposure of the tumor through the wing of the cerebellum, which is often more inferiorly located than the colman, which is the mid midline of the cerebellum. This more inferior trajectory through the lateral um, uh, supracerebellar approach over the wing of the cerebellum prevents retraction over the cerebellum and allows more an inferior trajectory to the inferior portion of this large pioneer region tumors. You might ask that, well, through a unilateral approach, you may not have a good view of the contralateral portion of this tumor, and you'll be absolutely surprised, as we'll see in this video uh, momentarily, that a cross-court approach provides a beautiful view of the contralateral extent and capsule of the tumor, no matter how large. And again, by using a unilateral approach, you protect the midline large veins, and you also do not expose the contralateral transfer sinus, and you avoid retracting on the bilateral cerebellar hemispheres. Here is my preferred approach. A, um, um, again, a lateral position. The head of the patient is turned less in this case. An incision is placed uh, along um, the mid portion of a line between the Indian and the, um, um, the mastoid bone. This midline incision extends about one-third above the transfer sinus and the Indian and two-thirds below um, the line that joins the Indian to the root of zygoma. Here you can see how the lateral trajectory provides a nice view of the tumor. 
After the patient is positioned, the incision is completed. Again, this is a paramedian incision and requires an intramuscular dissection. The uh, bony removal starts with a burr hole over the transfer sinus and extending the craniotomy below the sinus and slightly over the sinus. And this allows us to mobilize the sinus more superiorly, as we discussed briefly. You can see in the midline is not exposed at all. We actually place the first burr hole um, lateral, about a centimeter to lateral to the midline. Here is after the retraction sutures are placed, the transfer sinus is mobilized, and here you can see without any retraction, you have a view of the tentorium and the supracerebellar space. This illustration again emphasizes the point that we uh, previously used to uh, expose the bone um, just to the level of the transfer sinus and torcula and leave the bone over the sinus to avoid its injury. But as you can see with meticulous technique, you can remove the bone without any injury to the sinuses. However, when you don't remove the bone, as you can see here, it would really prevent you from having a nice view over the supracerebellar space and would require additional, additional retraction over the cerebellum. As you remove the bone, you increase your anger a little bit, but again, you have the sinus somewhat on your way to expose the supracerebellar space. But in this inferior picture, as you can see, with the mobilization of the sinus by moving more bone, you'll be able to maximally expand your operative corridor to be able to reach the uh, lesions in the pineal area. Again, occasionally we have to take a vein, which is paramedian in this case, but very posteriorly, and we have not had any issues with taking the vein and you will expose the arachnoid over the posterolateral aspect of mesencephalon and you'll be able to expose the fourth nerve. You can see this approach beautifully exposes the posterolateral aspect of the mesencephalon and gives you a lateral to medial cross-court uh, corridor to the midline pineal tumors. Let's go ahead and review now a case of a large pineal region tumor in a patient um, to um, illustrate some of the advantages of the unilateral uh, suboccipital approach for a resection of large pineal region tumors. Again, this patient was a young patient. You can see a large tumor, which turned out to be a pineal blastoma in this case. Um, in an adult, this is extremely rare. This tumor also extends into the posterior aspect of the third ventricle. You can see it is very inferiorly located. And if you try to come through the midline, which we traditionally have approached this tumor, you have to exert an excessive amount of pressure on the colman to be able to see the inferior aspect of the tumor. And uh, therefore, a lateral supracerebral approach has significant advantages in, in her uh, case. Here's the paramedian incision that uh, we just briefly talked about, the location of the transfer sigmoid sinus. And uh, also uh, we use the stealth navigation in this case, and if necessary, we can place a ventriculostomy catheter using stealth navigation along the upper edge of our incision by placing a bear hole through the, uh, over the occipital uh, um, lobe. 
you can see the turn of the head that is relatively less than what we discussed for reaching the posterior third ventricular tumors. After the paramedian incision was completed, you can see the two retractor sutures were placed, really exposing the tentorium without any retraction here. A ventriculostomy catheter was also placed to provide some relaxation as this patient was young and had a very full um, um, cerebellum. Uh, we use these very thin um, cotinoids over the cerebellum to minimize any uh, mass effect from the cotinoids themselves. You can see the fourth nerve as it's exiting the posterolateral aspect of the um, um, mesencephalon. You can see the midline that was generously exposed. We go ahead and expose the tumor through a lateral to medial approach. This is the posterior capsule of the tumor that was cut. I debulk the tumor very generously. This debulking of the tumor allows us to mobilize the capsule more inferiorly, medially, superiorly, and laterally. You can see that this is the medial aspect of the tumor, and this is again the tectum contralaterally that's very generously exposed. So I went from the left, this is the right tectum and posterior aspect of the uh, brain stem that is exposed without any difficulty through a urinolateral approach. You can see some of the images of the stealth that um, sort of allows us to orient ourselves to the, where we are. Uh, the tumor is then was noted to be very, very fibrous in this case, and an ultrasonic aspirator was used to assure removal of the uh, and debulking of the tumor. And again, the tumor is very adherent, and we try to carefully use a piece of cotinoid to wipe the tumor away from this. I wipe the brain away from the tumor in this case and here is posterior aspect of the third ventricle and you can see a nice view through the ventricle um, by uh, removing the more posterolateral aspect of the tumor. Here is the more medial and uh, superior aspect of the tumor that are being uh, mobilized. Here you can see the tumor is being coagulated as it was decompressed However, the tumor was very adherent to vein of Galen and confluence of the sinuses and vein of Rosenthal, as you can see here. And therefore, to protect these important diencephalic veins, we had to leave a very small sheet of tumor um, to be able to uh, uh, avoid any risk of postoperative venous infarction. Uh, again, a small sheet of the tumor is left. As much of the tumor is carefully uh, removed otherwise, and you can see I'm working through the midline region without any difficulty through the unilateral approach and hearing a small sheet of the tumor that is being left on the diencephalic veins and the vein, and the vein of Galen um, and ultimately we removed the inferior portion of the tumor and uh, was able to complete 95% uh, uh, plus uh, removal of the tumor. Here is I tried to uh, play and see if I can remove the tumor from the sinuses and this was vein of Galen but because of its adherence I was convinced we have to leave a sheet of tumor ultimately some of the deeper veins are also being uh, protected here vein of Rosenthal rotating and moving anteriorly obviously have to be carefully uh, protected
This is the medial extension of the tumor being mobilized from the contralateral tectum. And you can see both tecti are well exposed through a unilateral approach. Here is the adherence to the posterior aspect of the third ventricle that is being uh, dissected. Safe gross total resection of any tumor obviously is ideal goal of the surgery. Here is mobilizing the last pieces of the tumor. And again, that superficial, or I'm sorry, the superior part that was very adherent to the veins along the midline is left and uh, coagulated to, pre to decrease the chance of future growth. Again, trying to be a little bit more aggressive with the pieces of the tumor close to the veins to remove as much as possible. And here is the nice view uh, through the uh, posterior aspect of the third ventricle. Here is the post-operative MRI demonstrating a relatively good resection with a small sheet of the tumor left over the uh, veins and the rest of the tumor was adequately uh, removed. So what are the variations of technique to expand this operative corridor? We talked about, you know, supracerebral approach using retention sutures various maneuvers in terms of positioning and CSF drainage, talked about third ventricular tumors and how it could be approached through that and how we can manage um, pioneer region tumors through a unilateral approach. Let's talk about expanding the operative corridor and reach lesions that are necessarily supratentorial, such as a medial tentorial uh, meningioma. As you can see, this is a tumor, a meningioma causing edema. Um, and it's very medially located on the dominant hemisphere. And in this situation, if you want to approach this tumor through a subtemporal approach, you will require a significant amount of retraction and significant risk to the speech. And uh, using a approach through a superior parietal lobule, which require a long reach and significant amount of transgression of normal brain tissue. So how can we remove this tumor which is completely supratentorial and minimize retraction, protect normal brain through a supracerebellar approach. It's a very novel concept, removing a completely supratentorial approach through a posterior fossa approach. And I think it's, it's a very, very good way to remove this tumor through supracerebellar approach because that is the portion and that's where the tumor comes most closest to a a subarachnoid space where you have to transgress minimum amount of tumor. So here you can see we're going to use the supracerebral approach which we have been talking about, maximize the operative corridor by mobilizing the transfer sinuses, cut a piece of tentorium and decompress the tumor and deliver the tumor downstairs. These illustrations further illustrate the maneuvers that I just briefly talked about. You um, obviously cut the tentorium from this from downstairs through the posterior fossa. One point that I would like to emphasize here is that as you cut the tentorium, 
you have to protect the fourth nerve especially if you're cutting a large window of the tenturum as it would be necessary in these cases you have to make sure that the um, area where the fourth nerve enters the dura is not violated and is not cut here as you can see the um, exposure through a suprasarabellar approach so what are the advantages of going this way versus supratentorially? Number one, through the suprasarabellar approach, you can identify the most anterior edge of this tumor, this medial tentorial meningioma, which we reviewed its MRI momentarily, uh, a moment ago. And you can see that by going suprasarabellar through the suprasarabellar route, you can see the extent of the tumor that is affecting the brainstem very early on. And by that, you can identify the important structures of posterolateral mesencephalon, the fourth nerve, carefully dissect them, maybe put a cotinoid across them, and worry less about them during the later stages of the operation. When you come through the suprasarabellar, supratentorial route or supratemporal route, you will probably see these most important structures latest, and you may have to worry about them during the entire procedure, especially when the surgical field is very bloody um, as you're within the tumor uh, it would make uh, protection of these structures difficult but early on through the suprasarabellar route you can identify these st structures and protect them also you can see that early on you can coagulate the tentorium and devascularize the tumor and this would allow you a higher level of efficiency to debulk the tumor and dissect it later here is after coagulation of the tumor, we're performing those uh, tentorial sectionings in order to go around the tumor, ultimately to work through the tentorium to debulk the tumor and be able to dissect the tumor from the suboccipital and posterior temporal region and be able to deliver the tumor completely. And here is the final view through the, um, uh, this operative corridor and you can see that you can deliver the tumor without significant retraction of the parado-occipital region or necessarily cerebellum. So you're maximizing the use of subarachnoid spaces or uh, subdural spaces to be able to reach this tumor by advancing operative angles, not necessarily operative distances or operative spaces. And that's the concept of advancing operative angles to remove tumors through the subdural and subarachnoid spaces to minimize brain, um, uh, normal brain transgression. So let's go ahead and review the details of, uh, interoperative details of the case that we just review, uh, discussed, the medial tentorial meningioma. And you can see in this case, the patient um, was placed again in a lateral position and a hockey stick incision was used um, to be able to get a more inferior to superior trajectory among patients who are necessarily have a larger body habitus. This patient who was 33 was suffering from um, occasional dysphasia. You can see the tumor that we reviewed. You can see most of the feeders are peeled to this tumor. And again, a medial tentorial um, meningioma. Patient positioned laterally, a hockey stick incision was used rather than a paramedian incision in this case.
Here you can see the craniotomy was completed. This is the suprasarbalar corridor. Again, the tumor was on the left side. We're going on the left side. These retraction sutures are placed. This is Dr. Ron Young uh, and I who did this procedure together. He is placing the sutures over the tentorium, mobilizing again the transfer sinus, using the maximum amount of space available through the suprasarbalar corridor by expanding the operative angle, placing a tef uh, teflon, piece of teflon with the cerebellum to protect it. Now you can see that you have literally transformed this medial tentorial meningioma to a convexity meningioma and you can see coagulating the um, tentorium that was cut and uh, debulked into tumor and delivering the tumor downstairs. Here is placing a piece of cotton between the mesencephalon and the tumor early on during the procedure to protect the important structures. Here you can see again early on the posterolateral aspect of the mesencephalon that is being carefully dissected away from the tumor. Here is debulking the tumor through the tentorium. and again mobilizing the tumor into our resection cavity from the into a supratentorial space into the infratentorial space to remove this large piece of tumor. And here you can see we're able to remove the tumor without any injury to the surrounding normal structures. This patient did very well. A gross total removers, uh, removal seems so great. One, since we were able to remove the um, affected um, tentorium, the base of the tumor, as well as the entire tumor, such Simpson grade one tumor may not be always possible through supratentorial approaches as removal of our cutting uh, the tentorium, which was affected by the base of the tumor, is not possible. Well, uh, ladies and gentlemen, I hope this session was helpful in uh, giving you some operative pearls that has worked for me in terms of expanding this corridor by uh, um, using the retraction sutures, by going around the cerebellum and using a lateral approach to reach the midline, and ultimately cutting the cerebellum at the tentorium to be able to remove tumors through the supra. Uh, tumors located in the supratentorial space. Thank you for joining us and have a good day.